going to be unpacking a message about what heaven will be like, which is the place that we go when we die if we are in Christ Jesus and have been saved by him. Now, I want to begin today. I just want to give you one verse. Uh, I think we're going to have the scriptures behind me on the screen. I'm going to start off in 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9, I'm gonna be using a lot of scripture. I'm normally an expositional preacher. I go verse by verse, but I'm gonna be using a lot of scripture today, So, but uh, we'll have them on the screen. I wanna read something to you that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I love that verse because what it just told us is this, is you and I can talk about heaven all day long. We can do our best to describe heaven, but the scripture says that no eye has ever seen and no ear has ever heard, nor has the heart of man even been able to imagine just how amazing this place is that God has prepared for us. But then, the very next thing Paul says in verse 10, very next verse, Paul says this. He says, but these things God has revealed to us through his spirit. And so what that means is even though heaven is gonna be better than our wildest imagination, we can't even imagine how unbelievable it's gonna be through the scripture The Holy Spirit has revealed certain things about this place called heaven. And that's what we're gonna talk about today for a few minutes. Now, when I talk about heaven, I'm actually talking about two realities. I'm talking about two realities when I I talk about this place called heaven. There's actually a place called heaven that exists today. It exists right now. That's the place that you and I go when we die right now, and it'll be that way until the return of Jesus. And after Jesus returns, he comes back to the earth, then what the scripture says is that he actually creates a brand new earth, and that's where we spend eternity. And I'll talk about that here in a few minutes, but right now, I wanna talk about this place called heaven as it exists today, as it is right now until the return of Christ. Now, we actually don't know a lot about heaven as it exists today. The scripture doesn't actually talk a ton about it. Um, you know, y'all know the, the streets of gold thing that you've heard your whole life? That's actually on the new earth, the new Jerusalem. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there are a few things that the scripture does reveal to us about heaven as it exists right now. Second Corinthians 5, 7 is one of those places. Paul again is talking and he says this. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. He said, yes, we are of good courage. In other words, Paul says, there's a reason that you and I don't need to be afraid. There's a reason that no matter how bad it gets in this world, you and I need to take courage. He tells us why. He says, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul says right now, you and I are walking by faith. We're not walking by sight. We're walking by faith, but there's gonna come a day, Paul says, the scripture says there's coming a day when our faith is going to be made sight. 
We're gonna see Jesus. And then what he says next is unbelievable. He says, in that moment, when your faith is made sight, he said this, he said, you are going to be home with the Lord. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but that is comforting to me. That there's gonna come a day when you stop breathing, that, that, that you're gonna pass away. And if you're in Christ Jesus, in the moment, the moment that you pass away, you're gonna be absent from your body and you will be home with the Lord. <clears throat> the scripture describes heaven like going home. I wanna tell you a quick story that I, uh, I thought about to help me get my mind around that. I, was, uh, I went to Texas A&M University. Any Aggies in here? There's always one. They whoop. That's a, that's a thing. And uh, I went to Texas A&M, um, class of 96, and I was in the Corps of Cadets, which is the ROTC portion. It's like a little West Point or Annapolis right on the A&M campus. We wore uniforms all the time. We all lived together. It was, it was crazy. Back in the mid-90s when I went through, hazing was a thing. Hazing was a thing in, in the 90s at Texas A&M. Um, I went into a and I weighed 185 pounds. I was a down lineman at Athens High School. And by the end of my freshman year, I weighed 150 pounds. And I lost a lot of weight for a lot of various reasons, but I was bald, um, I was lonely, and I was miserable. And the first time I got to go home and see my family was uh, on Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving Day, we had a game back then at A&M on Thanksgiving Day. I drove home, and I wanted to see my mom. I couldn't wait to see my mother. I missed her. I was kind of a mama's boy. And I'll never forget, I was driving home, finally pulled into Athens, Texas, in East Texas. And I was driving down the street, and I turned the corner on Clifford Avenue. And then I looked down at the end where I lived on the corner. And there standing in the driveway was my mother. And my great and my grandmother, um, and my great grandmother, and all three of those women are in heaven today, and I miss them desperately. But I saw all of them standing there; they were waiting on me. And when I pulled up in my truck, I got out, and all three of them came, surrounded me, put their arms around me. I was crying; they were crying as we hugged each other. And the point I'm trying to make is that it felt so good. And so comforting to be home. And Paul is saying to us that that is what heaven is going to be like. That we don't have to fear death. That's one of the reasons that you and I don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear death. Because in the moment that we are absent from this body, you and I are going to be at home with the Lord. Is that good news to y'all? It is to me. Now, here's another thing we know about heaven as Jesus describes it. First of all, he says it's like going home, but then look at Luke 23, 39. Luke 23, 39. This is talking about the, uh, the crucifixion and the criminals that were hanging there with Jesus. It says one of the criminals who were hanged there railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, talking about Jesus, this man has done nothing wrong. Now, I want you to watch what that 
repentant criminal looks at Jesus and says next in Luke 23, 42, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that was the right thing to say, by the way. There's a criminal hanging there beside Jesus, two criminals. One criminal starts railing at Jesus, yelling at him. The other criminal looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, that guy's stupid. Jesus, would you please remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And I want you to watch what Jesus says to him. In Luke 23, 43, and he, that's Jesus, and he said to him, truly I say to you that today you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. A couple things we learned from that one statement. Jesus is talking about heaven. Number one, Jesus said to the criminal, you're gonna be with me today in paradise. No purgatory. Like when you die, you will be in heaven immediately if you're in Christ Jesus. But there's something else interesting about that. Jesus, when he was describing heaven, he called it paradise. Now, have you ever thought about that word? And you thought about who said it. The guy that described heaven as paradise is the creator of the universe. The creator of stars. The the creator of galaxies. The creator of, of everything. And so I don't know about you, but if the creator of everything, the creator of heaven and earth, if the creator of the universe calls heaven paradise, sign me up. Amen? Sign me up. So we know it's gonna be like going home and we know it's gonna be pretty amazing because Jesus called it paradise. Now look, look at one more place here where Jesus talks about heaven. It's in John 14, one. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples who were troubled because he was gonna leave them. He told them, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be resurrected, but I'm gonna have to go back to the Father. And they kind of flipped out. They're like, Jesus, why are you leaving or whatever? And he comforts them with heaven. Listen to John 14, one. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If or not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Now in verse two, we always focus on that uh, in my Father's house are many rooms or my Father's house or, or many mansions. I don't really think that's the part that we need to focus on. I think the part we need to focus on in that verse is at the end where Jesus says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, guys, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be troubled because yes, I'm leaving, but where I'm going, I'm going somewhere, it's called heaven, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there's gonna come a day where I'm gonna come back and take you to be there with me. And here's the thing that I took away from that is that Jesus, again, is preparing a place for us to go and be with him. And that sounds pretty amazing. When I had my first child, rather when my wife had our first child, um, he's uh, 22 this year. So it was 22 years ago, back in 2000. (laughs) We did what all uh, first parents do on their, you know, the birth of their first child is we wanted to prepare his room for him. Because that's what you do when you have your first baby. You prepare their room. You make it really nice. By the time the third kid or the fourth 
kid comes, you put them in a closet, right? But the first kid, you, you want to prepare their room. And I did my wife. She went into this kind of nesting thing. It was pretty crazy. We, we spent four months getting the room ready for this guy. And we put in, a, what's it called? It's a chair railing or whatever. And we put that stuff in and we painted the room a couple of different colors. We actually, I can't believe we did this. Um, he's not worth it. But anyway, we, we hired an artist um, to come in and paint a mural on the wall of Winnie the Pooh. We had, uh, I wish I had the picture with me today. We had, we had a picture um, of Winnie the Pooh with Piglet playing this game called Pooh Sticks, where they would drop a stick underneath the bridge in the water and it would float down, they'd race, whatever. We had that painted on his wall. And here's what hit me about this. If two earthly parents, if two earthly parents that spent four months preparing a place for their son was that amazing. How amazing is it gonna be when the creator of the universe has been preparing a place for you for the last 2,000 years? I think it's gonna be pretty awesome. And so that's heaven as it exists today. <clears throat> and if you die before the return of Christ, that's where you're going. You're going home. You're going to be with Jesus. You're going to a place the scripture described as paradise, and he has a place prepared specifically for you. But then something's going to happen. At some point in the future, Jesus Christ is going to return. Did y'all know that? Jesus is coming back. Crystal clear in the scripture. Jesus is coming back. I want to read it to you. It's pretty cool, actually. Revelation 19, 11. This is John, his disciple. He saw a revelation of Jesus' return at the end times. He says this. He says, then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one who is sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's talking about Jesus. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. When he comes back, he's coming back to take over. He's coming back as the king of kings and he's coming back as the Lord of lords. And then the scripture says that after he returns, that he is gonna do something interesting. The scripture says, well, I, actually, let me read it to you, what he's gonna do after his return here. Look at Revelation 21.1. <clears throat> Immediately after that, Revelation 21.1, it's an interesting part of the text. We don't pay much attention to, actually, but it's, it's fascinating. Revelation 21.1 says, Then, after the return of Christ, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The scripture says that after Christ returns, he judges the nation and the nations, and then God does away with the first heaven and the first earth, and then God creates a brand new earth, and that's where you and I will spend eternity. Now, let me make a little theological point here. John in Revelation right there said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, but, sounds like two places, but overwhelming majority of theologians believe that's not talking about two separate places, but when he does away with the, with the old earth and the old heaven, he creates a new earth, and that is heaven. The, uh, the, this new, brand new earth is gonna be heaven where you and I spend eternity. So from the rest of the sermon, next few minutes, when I'm talking about heaven, from now on, I'm talking about this brand new earth that God creates where you and I will spend eternity. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk for a minute about this new earth, what we're gonna do, um, what it's gonna be like, um, the, the amazingness of this heaven, new earth for eternity. And right out of the box, guys, I'm gonna tell you the very best part of the new earth. I'm gonna tell you the very best part of heaven, the very best part of eternity. Y'all ready for it? Check it out, Revelation 21, two. John said, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then Revelation 21, three, he says, and I, this is the best part of heaven. Put your seatbelt on, y'all ready? He said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, did y'all catch that? Because I'm wondering if y'all really got that, why y'all didn't go bananas right there. It, did y'all catch what that said? That said that God in heaven is going to be with us. And I'm gonna tell you something, guys, that right there, that's gonna be amazing, and that ought to dispel any doubt in your mind whatsoever whether or not heaven or the new earth for eternity is gonna be boring. Now, let's unpack that for a second. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys, when you thought about heaven and you thought about forever, not 20 years, 30 years, not 1,000, not 10,000, but like forever, trillions of years, how many of y'all thought, that's, that sounds kind of boring to me. What, what are we gonna do? Are we just gonna just be hanging out in the clouds, you know, like with those little naked baby angels singing to God for eternity? Sounds kind of boring. And, and look, I get it. If that's all heaven is about, then, you know, I'm, I'm down to sing or whatever for a day or two, like a little retreat. But I don't know if I wanna do that forever. Okay, listen to this quote by um, Isaac Asimov, a famous science fiction writer, when he talked about what he perceived um, heaven was gonna be like and the boredom of it. <clears throat> he said, I don't believe in an afterlife. So I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. And what a sad, unfortunate, and honestly ignorant statement that that is. I'm gonna tell you why. I, I want you to listen to me really carefully here. When we are in the presence of God, 
in heaven. When we're in the presence of Almighty God on the new earth, it's going to be a lot of things, but boring will not be one of them. I'm going to tell you why. Psalm 1611 gives us a clue. King David said, Lord, he's speaking to God here. He says, you make known to me the path of life. And watch what he says next. He says, God, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When you and I go to heaven in eternity, we are going to be in the presence of Almighty God for all of eternity. And the scripture promises us that when we are in the presence of Almighty God is the fullness of joy. Now, what does that mean? That means that um, that, that word fullness there, I studied it. it. It means like a constant and complete to overflowing sense of the fullness of joy. A constant, complete to overflowing sense of the fullness of joy. That's what it's like in the presence of God. I want you to think for a minute about a moment in your life or a day in your life that brought you a lot of joy. Maybe it was a just like a perfect Christmas. Everything was, was just amazing and it, you're with your family and nobody argued and stuff. It was just beautiful. It was a perfect Christmas. Maybe that day brought you joy. Maybe, maybe it was the day you got married and some of y'all are like, what do you mean, Matt, get married? I, I got a date the other day. It was the greatest day of my life. Maybe some of y'all is the day you got the job that you've always wanted and you've been praying for. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was the, the day that you got into whatever school it was and you just, man, joy just filled your heart about that. All of us have these moments in our life of incredible joy, but what's the problem with those moments? They're fleeting. They go away, they don't last. And again, what the scripture said is when you and I are in the presence of God, there will be a fullness of joy. There'll be a completeness of joy. There will be a lasting joy. There will be an overflowing sense of joy that you are gonna experience every moment of every day of every year for all of eternity. That doesn't sound boring to me. It doesn't sound boring to me. It's, um, I, I, I thought about it, that what that means is that our worst day in heaven, if there's such a thing, which there won't be, but every single solitary day that we're with God in heaven is going to be far better than your best day here on earth. And I promise you that won't be boring. But scripture keeps going. He says that, uh, the scripture says, in the presence of God, we're gonna experience the fullness of joy. But then it says, in the presence of God, we're, we're gonna experience pleasures forevermore. Now, most of you have heard the, the verse about the fullness of joy, but have, have you ever stopped and thought about that next part? Pleasures forevermore. What are these pleasures forevermore that we're going to experience in the presence of God? Well, listen, here's, I'm gonna spend the rest of the sermon here. Next few minutes, we'll be done. I'm gonna talk about what are these pleasures that we're gonna experience in the presence of God in heaven or the new earth. I'm gonna tell you about the first one here. Um, let's talk about what we're gonna do on the new earth. What are we gonna do for eternity on this new earth? Well, one thing to keep in mind as I've studied this, I've studied it a lot over the years, I'm convinced that the new earth is gonna be 
a lot like our current earth, but there's gonna be one major difference. And the one major difference on the new earth, besides the fact that we're gonna be in the presence of God every moment, is that on the new earth, there's gonna be no sin. There's gonna be no sin, think about it. It's just like earth, except there's no sin, and because there's no sin, there's not gonna be the consequences of sin on the new earth, and the implications of that um, are unbelievable. Let me give you an example. I'm utterly convinced that on the new earth, we're gonna work. I'm convinced on the new earth, we're gonna have jobs. We're gonna have occupations. Now, some of y'all are like, no, wait a minute, Matt, you lost me right there. Everything sounded good. I'm all about being the presence of God. I'm all about joy and pleasure forever. What do you mean, Matt, that we're gonna work in heaven? But I want you to think about it for a second. Did y'all know that God actually invented work? Did y'all know that? I'm pretty sure Pastor Bruce has taught you that at some point. God thought work up. And when did he first give us, man and woman, a job? It was in the Garden of Eden. Was it before sin or was it after sin? It was before sin. God invented work, thought it up, and he gave Adam and Eve a job before sin entered into the picture when the world was still perfect. What was their job? They were gardeners. They were farmers. God said, I want you to keep and cultivate the garden. And so their work for them, because there were no sin yet, there was no consequences of sin, and so their work was a complete joy. It was, it was a pleasure every moment of every day to work and do what God had called them to do. But then what happened? They sinned. And when they sinned, the consequences of sin entered into the picture. And it was only then, because they sinned, that God said, look, one of the consequences of sin is that your work now is gonna stink. Your work is... It's gonna, you're gonna have to work by the sweat of your brow. Work is gonna be hard for you. It's gonna be a toil. It's not gonna be a pleasure forevermore. The reason work is so difficult, the reason some of y'all are like, whoa, work, is because the, the reason work is so difficult is because of sin. But on the new earth, in heaven for eternity, there will be no sin. God has done away with sin. It's gonna be a perfect new earth, and I promise you, he will give us work on the new earth. He gave us work on the perfect first earth, but your work on the new earth will be a pleasure forevermore. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking because of that, because there's no sin on the new earth in heaven, um, there's not gonna be any consequences of sin on the new earth, and so because of that, there's gonna be some jobs that we don't need anymore. Y'all thought about that? It's gonna be cool, we don't need policemen on the new earth. Um, I love policemen, but they're gonna be out of a job. They're gonna be doing something else. Um, we're not gonna need uh, firemen. We're not gonna need funeral directors. Um, we're all gonna have brand new perfect bodies, amen? Which I'm gonna talk about in a minute, so we don't need, uh, we don't need personal trainers. We're not gonna need doctors. God's our king, so we don't need politicians. That's good news. Um, we don't need, yeah, <laughs> we, wow. We don't need lawyers. Like there's, there's whole lists of, of, uh, of occupations we don't need, but as I was making this list, you know what, something hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm gonna be out of a job. We don't need preachers in heaven. 
it's not gonna be like uh, God's gonna come up to me and like, hey, um, hey, Matt, um, hey, Pastor Bruce, can you fill in for me today? You know, that's not what it's gonna be like. And even if God were to do that, I mean, we got Charles Spurgeon and Billy Graham, for crying out loud. John the Baptist, he, they're not gonna need me and Pastor Bruce. And so I'm gonna be out of a job. And so it hit me, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna be a preacher in heaven, so what am I gonna do? And so I thought about this for a long time. Y'all, y'all know what I wanna do? I wanna be a farmer. That just sounds so amazing to me. It's just like 69 degrees, no humidity, trees just like Asheville, and uh, just like tend my crops for eternity. Don't have to talk to anybody. I mean, that just sounds amazing to me. Just me in the presence of God forever. Joys, pleasures, I'm in. Uh, fun topic today at lunch. Go talk about what you wanna do on the new earth. Um, here's some other pleasures we're gonna experience in heaven. The scripture teaches us, we know for a fact there's gonna be music, there's gonna be singing, except um, one of the things the scripture tells us is that we're gonna sing new songs, which I'm convinced that means there's gonna be creativity on the new earth. I think it's very likely there could be art. I think there could be literature. I think there could be poetry. I think there could be dance. I don't think there's any reason whatsoever why, why there couldn't be sports on the new earth. I mean, there's not gonna be soccer, but there will for sure be football on the new earth, right? And basketball and baseball. But um, it, it, except, again, we're gonna have new bodies, so there's no injuries. So we're gonna have like a year-round college football season. It's gonna be amazing. Here's, here's the other thing we know for a fact. Um, there's gonna be parties. That sounds like fun to me. Um, there's gonna be banquets. There's gonna be amazing food, except we, we're not gonna get fat. That's gonna be really cool. Um, there's gonna be wine there. Sorry, Southern Baptist. There will be wine in heaven. The scripture's clear. We won't get drunk, but there will be wine there. Um, think about this. Think about this. We're on a new earth. And I don't think God would have created a new earth unless he wanted us to see it and experience it. That means there's, there's gonna be travel. That means there's gonna be lakes to swim and uh, you know, snow to ski and fields and forests to explore and cliffs to dive off of and colors and sounds and unimaginable beauty that we will see forever. And why do I think that? The reason I think that is because God is the source of all that's good. God is the source of all that's good. He is the source of all that's delightful. He's the source of all that's enjoyable. God is the source of all that's refreshing and fascinating. And so it is not a stretch whatsoever to imagine you and I enjoying all those things and a billion other things more just like them for eternity. And if that's not amazing enough, it gets better. Look at Revelation 21.4. This is when it starts getting real good. Y'all ready for this? Revelation 21.4, John is speaking about eternity. And he's talking about Jesus here. And he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Man, isn't that good news? How many of y'all have, I want you, how many of y'all lost a loved one in the last couple of years? I have. Death will be no more more. There's, there's going to come a day when you and I are going to pass away, but then when we die, we're going to be at home with the Lord, 
and we're going to be with him forever. And one of the things the scripture promises us about eternity is we're going to die once, and then we're going to be raised to life, and we will never, ever, ever die again. Love that. Now, it gets, keeps going. Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying. And this next part, we don't talk about it a lot. We don't preach about it a lot. But I love this next part. It says, nor pain anymore. How many old men, including me in here, are fired up about no pain in heaven? I am. The scripture tells us there's not going to be any pain anymore. Hey, guys, my knees hurt right now, right? The scripture tells us we're going to get perfected bodies. I'm going to have six-pack abs in heaven. I am fired up about it. People that are blind are going to see. People that are in wheelchairs are going to run because the former things have passed away and God makes all things new. I'm going to keep going. Listen, part of the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore on the new earth are going to be each other. I know that's hard to imagine. We live in a culture where everybody's kind of at each other's throats, but in heaven, again, there's no sin, and so there's no consequences of sin, and so you and I in heaven are gonna experience friendship, we're gonna experience community, we're gonna experience fellowship, except it's going to be perfect, completely free from the consequences of sin. You're gonna love everybody, and everybody's gonna love you. Does that sound refreshing? It does to me. Listen to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Talks about kind of how we react to this and think about this in 4, 13. It says, but we, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Talking about loved ones who have died before the return of Christ. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And look at verse 16. He says, here's our hope. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. The Bible teaches us, look, we grieve, but we don't grieve like the world. We grieve, but we grieve differently in the world, and the reason is because we have a constant hope, and the hope is this, that Jesus Christ is coming back. There's coming a day at some point in the future where the trumpet's gonna sound, and Jesus Christ is gonna return, and when he returns, he's going to bring with him all of our loved ones who were with Christ when they died, and we are gonna be reunited with them forever in perfect fellowship. I love that, I can't wait for that. It's a quote by Jonathan Edwards. I'm, I'm gonna read a couple quotes to you. As he talked about this, the famous um, theologian, Jonathan Edwards. He said, every Christian friend that goes before us from this world is a ransom spirit waiting to welcome us into heaven. There will be an infant that only lived a few days that we have lost below and through grace will be reunited again. Have you ever lost a child? to death, to a miscarriage, maybe an abortion. You are going to see that child again. You're gonna see that child again. I believe that with all of my heart, mind and soul, that child and their new body will be there to welcome you into glory. 
and you will enjoy fellowship with them forever. Edwards goes on, he says, they're the Christian father and the mother and the wife and the child and the friend with whom our holy fellowship was interrupted by death here shall be commenced again and then shall never end. I love that. I love that, that we have this fellowship with people that we love so much and, and they leave us and they die and it's interrupted here on earth. But whether that father, that mother, that child, that brother, sister, that friend, you will see them again. But again, I said this already, but the best part of it is that your relationships will be utterly perfect. There's no sin, there's no consequence of sin. That means amazing things on the new earth. That means things like there's not gonna be any racial strife. There's not gonna be political strife. There's no mental health issues. There's no dementia. You're crazy, Uncle Harry, he won't be crazy. You're gonna like him in heaven if he's a Christian. All of our relationships are gonna get completely free from the entanglements of sin. Edwards goes on, watch this, and this we sang about it. We're gonna sing about it here in a second. He said, we shall also have companionship with the patriarchs and the fathers and the saints of the Old and New Testament those from whom the world was not worthy. Have y'all ever thought about that? You're gonna get to meet the people from the Bible. That's gonna be super cool. I can't wait, I cannot wait to talk to Peter. I'm gonna be like, Peter, you and I were so much alike. You said stupid stuff, I say stupid stuff. Like you, were, you put your foot in your mouth, I put um, my foot in my mouth all the time. Like Peter, you were always running from Jesus and he was always running after you. And Peter, I've done that a million times. I've run from Jesus and he's always run after me. I can't wait to meet Peter. We get to meet Paul. I'm like, Paul, what was it right to feel the Holy Spirit inspiring you as you wrote the New Testament? We're gonna get to meet Noah and ask him, Noah, how in the world did you keep the lion from eating all the rest of the animals? We're gonna get to meet Job. He was like, Job, your story was so inspiring. You lost everything, and yet you still worship God. Job, how in the world did you do that? We get to meet Zacchaeus. We're gonna meet Zacchaeus. And they're like, Zacchaeus, you're no longer a wee little man. That's amazing, high five. Ladies, check this out. You're gonna get to meet Mary. How cool is that gonna be? As she describes what it felt like to feel the God of the universe kicking inside of her womb. We get to meet the thief on the cross. I can't wait to meet him and hug that guy and go, bro, I'm, I was no better than you, but we made it because of Jesus, because of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the best stuff, and I have two more minutes, and I'm gonna pray, but I wanna end today by telling you the very, very, very best part. I've already told you once. I'll tell you the best part of heaven. Nothing else really even compares or comes close. You see, there's one person that the Bible talks about that we're gonna get to see and get to talk to and meet and touch, and that will be hands down the greatest joy of heaven. Church, you and I get to, get to see Jesus. We get to see Jesus like the greatest joy of heaven for me is, is not gonna be music, it's not gonna be community. I mean, that's gonna all be amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to climbing the new Everest. That's gonna be a lot of fun. And, and uh, I can't wait to see my mom again and my grandmother and my great-grandmother and eat my great-grandmother's heavenly cherry pie for all eternity. I'm fired up about that. But for me, 
Church, hands down, the greatest joy of heaven is going to be seeing Jesus. I can't imagine what that moment is going to be like. Think about it for just a second. You know, a lot of people say that there's, there's, there's going to be no tears in heaven, but I would like to disagree with that, and I'd like to biblically disagree with that, uh, because here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine me seeing Jesus face-to-face -face for the first time and me not crying. I can't imagine seeing for the first time the one that I've loved since I was a little boy. I can't imagine seeing the one for the first time that I have cried out to a thousand times in the darkest moments of my life. I cannot imagine seeing for the first time the one that I have spent countless hours talking to in the, in the quiet of the morning. I cannot imagine seeing the one that died for me and saved me and restored me, and when I ran from him, chased after me and redeemed me and restored me over and over and over again. I cannot imagine seeing him finally face to face and saying, Jesus, this is all because of you. This is all because of you. Thank you. I love you. This is because of you. It's for you. And wrap my arms around him and he around me. I cannot imagine that moment and me not shedding a tear. But you see, you know what's interesting? I saw something when I prepared for this I have never seen in all of my life. The scripture actually says that in heaven, there will be no more crying. In heaven, there will be no more tears. But it says that after it says, he will wipe away every tear from your eye. If you read it carefully, there are gonna be tears in heaven. When I see him, I promise you, I'll be crying. But the scripture says that he will come to us, he'll come to me, he'll come to you, and he'll wipe away a tear from your eye, and you will never cry again. Let's pray. With their heads bowed, I, can I just say this, that as I talk today, if, as you think about heaven, think about going there, and if the greatest joy for you of heaven is not seeing Jesus, can I just say that there's something wrong, that there's something missing? I'd encourage you to talk to somebody today about it, just Help them unpack for you what I mean by that. A relationship with Jesus is what this is all about. But Father, we, we thank you for the hope that we have today. In the midst of a crazy world that has just gone mad, I thank you for the hope and the comfort that we have today because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that paid for our sin and gives us a way because of Christ, to spend eternity with you in heaven. And so, Lord, I just want to lift up right now anyone in this room that has never in their life trusted in Christ as their Lord and as their Savior and given their heart to, to Him and given their life to Him. And, Lord, I just pray right now in the best way they know how that they would do that very, very thing. God, we love you. 
and we praise you, and we cannot wait for the day that we get to see you face to face. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.